0: listen to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, my guest is Mr. David Stone. And we will be discussing anxiety, worry, and self-doubt. We'll be right back. So good evening, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me on 247 Real Talk. I know it's late. It's 11 p.m. on the East Coast in the United States. How are you?
1: Hi, Julian. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And yeah, it is a little late. I'm uh, usually turned into a pumpkin about this time, but (laughs) I made a deal with my fairy godmother tonight, so she letting let me stay up later.
0: Well, you know, we New Yorkers tend to be night owls, you know? yeah exactly so this on this episode we're gonna share with our audience um some information and your experience with something that you ultimately end up writing a book on and it's with it has to do with anxiety and worry and self-doubt and i think this is important for many reasons one because we're in the middle of a pandemic and i think that a huge percentage of our population is experiencing this—the uh, one or two or all three of those characteristics—and some of us, like myself, uh, tend to be—you know—have the inherent characteristic of worry, irrespective of anything else that says we shouldn't. So. Before we get into, in, you know, in depth of uh, with your experience and that part of what you have to share with us, why don't you give us a little background information on yourself?
1: Well, sure. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of people, even well before the pandemic, uh, we, as a society, just worry and worry and worry about just about everything. And uh, it's been on the rise for many, many years now, and in fact, uh New York Times has written a number of articles, and they coined the phrase uh, "the United States of Xanax," which is, of course, one of the favorite prescriptions for, uh, you know, anti-anxiety medications. And uh, they called us the Prozac Nation. And this was long before any uh, any pandemic showed up. So we we are definitely in the worry habit for sure. Now, where I came in was uh, I. Uh, spent my life I'm to you know just to put it into context I'm 66 years old right now and up until age 55 I was the typical person had job you know, mortgage kids uh, all that kind of stuff and I spent all my time worrying about it and I worried about whether or not I'd be able to pay the mortgage next month I worried about whether everybody liked me I worried about whether my job would keep going I worried about you name it I worry about it. And for me, my, my go-to worry tended to be financial uh, because, uh, and, and, you know, I don't blame it. That's another thing we'll talk about in a little while about blaming and complaining. But I grew up in a family that, uh, you know, certainly we were, finances were a stress all the time. Uh, And we, we weren't technically poor. We weren't hungry or anything like that. But I, grew up watching my parents worry about finances. And what I learned was that money doesn't grow on trees. If you're going to be rich, you have to be either lucky or crooked. Uh, it was just all these lessons that uh sort of came to me and that I uh internalized. And so I spent my life worrying about money. Now, the thing about worrying is we're we're creating a future for ourselves and it ultimately bit me that because at the age of fifty-five, I worried myself into homelessness, literally living in my car. And the irony, I was still well employed, still making good money, but I, you know, I spent more than I had. And so I you know, I found myself sleeping in my car. And that was the point where it was a real wake up call for me, because I'd been you know, I have this belief that the the universe, or God, or Source Energy, whatever you however you want to refer to it, our Creator, sort of nudges us with different uh, things that we're supposed to learn along the way, whether they're life hacks or life lessons. Uh, and if you ignore them long enough, eventually they you get smacked up the head upside the head with a two by four. And sometimes it's a heart attack. And for some people, it's a divorce. And for some people, it's, you know, job loss or whatever. For me, it was homelessness. And that was my big wake up call. And I finally said, all right, this has got to stop. And my first reaction was to look around for somebody to blame. Whose fault is this that I'm in this situation? Maybe it's the government's fault. Maybe it's, uh, the economy's fault. Maybe it's uh, whatever, you know, the alignment of the planet. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that in every single thing that had happened that led up to this situation for me, there had been one and only one common denominator, and that was me. I was the only person present. I was the only common factor in every decision, every action that had been taken so, I finally realized, okay, it's me, I'm the one that's doing something wrong here, and I'm the one that needs to start changing and That was the big first step to learning how to stop worrying and so then I said, that's it. I, I know I don't have any kind of mental health issues, I don't have any neurological conditions i'm you know I'm a smart person. I can figure this out. So I set out to study. Everything I could and learn everything that I possibly could about how my brain works, how my mind works, what worry and anxiety actually are. And I learned a tremendous amount. And I want to share with your listeners tonight some of the real key things that I learned because they're pivotal in learning how not to worry. And I learned to let anxiety completely go. And I can safely say that for the past 10 years, uh, I have not worried about
0: anything So let's pause there for a second because yeah sure that is um that's an amazing feat to Mm -hmm. be able to say you know don't worry and actually be able to accomplish that yeah um I think that that in itself is an amazing feat um
1: It is an amazing feat, and we all tell people, you know, that's a common phrase, oh, don't worry about this, don't worry about that. But that's way too simplistic. There's a process that we have to go through in order to learn how not to worry. Now, I want to clarify for your listeners, and that is that despite, you know, no, I don't worry about anything. It doesn't mean I don't have challenges in my life. We all have challenges in our life, and I find myself in circumstances that are less than ideal. We all do on a regular basis. Stuff happens, but it's in how we choose to respond to those circumstances that makes all the difference in the world. And this process that I went through, which I now share through my book and through my workshops and through my – I have a, a Facebook group and some online courses. I share that process with people who want to learn how to stop worrying.
0: So we're going to, you know, hopefully in this, uh, episode, we, we at least give people, uh, some insight into, um, at least how they can get started. Um, I want to use myself as the guinea pig for this episode. As I mentioned sure. in the beginning, I, I worry Even, even, you know, and and the funny thing is I I worry about scenarios that I have previously encountered that have eventually worked out Yep. and they repeatedly work out. And then Mm -hmm. you bring me back to the same scenario and you worry again. And, (laughs) and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll throw an extra, um, uh, bit of, uh, uh, Confusion into my process and sense because I am someone who, I am a spiritual person. Yeah. And I often tell others, if you are such as I, if your choices are such as mine, then there's a, a saying that says, if you pray, don't worry. If you worry, don't pray. That's and a great saying. I wish I could practice what I preach because I pray yeah. and worry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. it is, it is, you know, and 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 I'm going to go a little deeper, and then I'm going to let you get into what you know, into sort of dissecting it. So, the unpredictables in an environment where, for for, let me back up a little bit. First of all, I think that I've learned over time that we don't have a control over a lot of things. Most things that we think we control, no. we don't. That's right. And so, if you've come to that realization, even though you know that if you know if if X doesn't happen, then Y may not happen, and then the problem will be Z, the worry that you put into it is inherent, I think, in in the makeup of human beings. But if you if we really looked at it carefully, and I tried to do this myself, as I have been in this process of, of sort of getting away from worry is that at the end of the day, worry is a waste, is a waste of energy. Um, sure it is. And I, on my previous episode, um, I had a guest on Mr. Jim Case, and we talked about fear as a choice yep. and it's sort of, you know, similar because worry is a, and I say I'm learning, I'm, you know, I'm, growing in this process and learning to make my life better and and, and and not as stressful by understanding that if I can somehow get the control of anxiety, worry, and self-doubt, those, those three characteristics all rolled up in one with the understanding that it is, like you said, you're responsible for your actions, so it's more actions and sometimes the actions of others that will determine the, end result, but certainly worry actually has no impact whatsoever in the process.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Uh, there's, there's four problems with worry and anxiety. There's, and there's four really good reasons to let go of it. And the first reason is that it just sucks, right? It feels awful. It is one of the worst human emotions that we experience. You know, there's a lot of negative emotions, but anxiety and worry are one of the worst. It doesn't feel good to worry about. Number two, uh, it never accomplishes anything. No situation has ever been improved because we worry about it. Now, there are some people that say, well, no, I'm, you know, that's how I solve problems. But worrying and problem solving are two very different activities. Problem solving is linear. It takes a situation, a negative situation or a challenge, and it says, all right, what are the factors about here? What resources do I have to apply to it? Uh, I brainstorm some ideas. I try something. If that works, I try a little more. If it doesn't, I try something else. But I'm moving forward. I'm making progress. Worry, on the other hand, is circular. And we just keep repeating the same thoughts over and over again. We ruminate. We... uh, we just uh, cogitate on these things and we never make any progress with it because the same thoughts are with you. And as you said, you know, you, even situations you've been through before that turned out fine, we go through that cycle again. So that's the second problem. It never helps. The third problem is that it can literally make you sick. Um, the the uh, hormones that are released in when we're ang- anxious and when we're worrying. Uh, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but when they are released chronically, meaning for a long period of time, they have some really nasty effects on the body. And the fourth reason to get rid of anxiety and to stop worrying is that when we worry, we adopt a very defensive posture and anybody who follows sports understands the difference between playing to win and playing to not lose. And when we play to not lose, we're playing defense and we're very careful about everything. We don't try things. And that prevents us from achieving our, our goals and our dreams. We we don't try things that we could otherwise maybe try to achieve things that we might otherwise achieve. And so worry and anxiety hold us back from achieving our potential. So I think those four reasons are really great reasons to decide that it so just let it go now it's not it's simple to say stop worrying just let it go but as i say there's a very specific process that we have to go through and you said that uh you you made a statement a a second ago and you said that human is just or worry is just a natural part of the human condition and that is one of the key things that i learned in all this studying that i did and that is not a true statement. When we are born as infants, brand new infants, we are not born worrying. We are born with actually two and only two fears. We are born with the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Both those things are built into our biology. Everything else that we worry about, that we're afraid of, that we're anxious about, we have been, learned, we have been taught. We've learned or we've been conditioned and told you're supposed to worry about this.
0: So let's pause. There. And we have, I'm yeah, cut, sure. Let's so actually I you know, in thinking about your response to my statement, I agree with you. Um mm-hmm. to the extent that I would say that I have encountered several people in my life who worry about nothing. So right. when I when I I guess I need to um You've caused me to pause and think about the statement I made now, so you I think you are correct in that and and this can get a lot deeper that worrying is the result of something environmental um and by environmental, I mean you know the conditioning you have as you grow up and and I say environmental because there are people who have you know, if you make if you want to make a a a, a big contrast and make it dis- the differences uh, distinctive, someone say who grew up wealthy, whose mm-hmm. every single challenge was was removed by wealth or power or you know relationships, knowing people, mm-hmm. whatever, to the point that they have this confidence. That is it whether it's false or not, because it may not be real world, the point is they have not been in the situations where they've been exposed to enough situations that that, that, that mold them into a place of worry. Um, then But you, I
1: would suggest that they would have other things that they worry about, whether it's their health whether it's relationships uh, because you can have all the wealth in the world doesn't mean that somebody's going to fall in love with you necessarily. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm heading somewhere with this.
0: I'm heading to a specific. Okay, sure. so, so yes, you're correct. There are other things in life to worry about and some can be paid for and some can't. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm making the, the, the analogy because I'm thinking of self you know, when you think of someone who grows up in a um, less than privileged environment, Someone who, from the time they got to know themselves, they watched their parents worry and worry about things like how am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to clothe my kids? How am I going to, you know, look at the environment we live in? We have a big family living in a one bedroom house. We have, you know, and it's sort of um, an oppression that I think is directly linked to worry. And I think because we have a society where we do have um, a large percentage of people who are um, part of what we term the federal poverty level, mm-hmm. their environment suggests to them that they need to worry and they don't, they never get to the place. And I say this because I think even people like you said, who have, who have privileged have, similar challenges in a different way so their environment never even unless they have a conversation or they listen to this podcast or or a similar podcast they've never even contemplated not worrying
1: right you
0: see what i'm That's saying exactly so it's right. and 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 because yeah. of that it 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 over time it becomes one of their inherent characteristics it's not not born with but it has become them they have become um, what they have been conditioned, or 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 what their environment has as 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 sort of boxed them into.
1: Yeah, and what that is is we, uh, you know, from early age or whenever it started, we were introduced to the idea that okay, here's a negative situation. I watch the people around me. And how do they respond to that? They respond to it with worry and anxiety. So I look at that and I think, oh, I guess that's how you respond to things. And then we do it. And then what happens, this is, uh, and as your uh, previous guest, Mr. Case said, fear is a choice. We made the choice to worry about it because no other choice was presented to us. It doesn't mean there wasn't another choice, but it just wasn't presented to us. And then we kept that up and that becomes a mental habit. And any habit that you do for long enough drops below the level of conscious awareness. And so we just respond that way, and that's the point where it feels as if it is an inherent characteristic or inherent trait in people. It's nothing but a habit, but it feels like an inherent characteristic.
0: I think I, I okay so yeah this this is this is a really deep topic because I think as I, as i'm as you're speaking I'm, and I'm thinking about scenarios um I'll, Ill I'll push the envelope even further and talk about someone mm-hmm. that I knew that um is now deceased, and they had young children, and mm-hmm. they were aware of their illness and aware of that it was a terminal illness. And yep. they were sort of the major breadwinner, right? And it was it was painful to see that person going through something that was. I mean, you know, no one gets out of here alive, but going through someone something that was, um, realistically measured in time, and yes. they were sort of say, you know, how what's going to happen to my children? And I think that and so when i say inherent too let's let's examine it a little bit more a a true and when i'm the word true in in its in its sort of absolute uh, form a true mother for instance mm-hmm. will worry about her children not the fathers won't but i want to stress on mothers because there's a difference there's a different relationship there that's both um that's that's a little bit more um involved and intense and has layers to it. I agree
1: with
0: you. You know, so yeah. how do I say to someone, and I'm asking you this because the person who was deceased was a friend of mine, and I'm thinking, yeah. how do you say to someone at that point who has been the sole source of livelihood and the sole source of of of, of safety net and the sole source of of, of, of direction and, and everything and they're involuntarily in a position where uh, they, the, the, unlike mo- all of us who, are most of us who have no clue when the time comes, they know it's coming and they sort of have a measuring stick for it. How do you say to that person, don't worry?
1: Well, I wouldn't say to that person, don't worry. But what I would say, I'd ask them a question. I would ask them, is this worry serving you? Is it serving? Uh, is it is it serving your children? Is it helping the situation in any kind of a way? And the clear answer is no, it's not, uh, because as I said, it just goes around and around in circles. And there would require, in order for that question to make sense to somebody, they'd have to go back a little bit in this process that I that I've referred to. And, uh, and, and understand where it came from and discover that there is a different approach that you can use because basically this person was facing a, a very large challenge. Uh, the challenge of knowing that they were, had a terminal illness and, but yet knowing they had young children who would uh, survive them and how were these children to be looked after? Now, that's a major challenge. There's no question about it. But the, uh, the, the what I would say to that person is, is the worry helping you solve this problem or deal with this challenge? And the clear answer is, no, it's not. Would you prefer to take a different approach to solving this challenge? And of course, the answer would be, I would think, would be, yes, You <laughs> know, I want something to help. And that, because that removes the the emotion from it, or it removes the negative emotion from it. We want all the positive emotion we can have, and the mother's love for the children is a wonderful thing. But that motivates tremendous creativity to solve problems. It it uh, would evoke tremendous love for the children to teach them that they will be all right, and that they will, uh, you know, that there are other resources that will come to bear to look after them. There's all kinds of things that we could do. And of course you've picked a really, you know, a really big one, but I would stick to my guns and say that, and what I would say to that person is this one question is worry is anxiety serving you in this situation. Is it helping the situation? And, you know, if they, and their answer would be, no, it's not, but I don't know what else to do. Okay, well, let's talk about some other approaches instead of the worry and the anxiety.
0: Yes, I think, I think the, the powerful part of that, and as, as I said, I'm not just having this conversation with you, but I'm, I'm deeply contemplating it because I'm looking, and, and I will again, I'll share or bear my soul, so to speak, a little bit more from my mm-hmm. views, et cetera. They're used to me doing that. But I think that I, I've come to the conclusion, number one, that worry is bad for my health. I've come Absolutely to the con- yeah, and, and I've also what I love about what you said is and I've tried I've tried the approach of not worrying a few times and you know we human beings sometimes are you know sometimes we're really hard-headed because mm-hmm. at the, the times when I've tried the approach of not worrying if I reflect on it in hindsight those were some of the most amazing um Opportunities and, and instances where I came up with very innovative solutions. Yeah, and I so I yeah. agree with you that, that we're we're stifling our creativity by worrying because I I, I want to liken it to a box that can only hold a certain number of things, and if you put those things in the box, worry is taking up the space of that's, something else like creativity. Analogy.
1: I like that one. Yeah. Let me let me dissect this a little bit further, which I think you might find really helpful and your listeners might find really helpful. When I found myself in that situation and I said, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And I set out to learn everything. I truly, I decided I would treat it uh, like a study in a very scientific kind of way. And what I write in my book about pretending to be a scientist in a lab and wearing a white lab coat. And there's this blob of anxiety sitting on my laboratory bench. And I'm going to look at it under a microscope and I'm going to dissect it. And I'm going to learn everything that there is to learn about it. And one of the things that I learned is that there is a, let's call it a fear spectrum. And, you know, your uh, again, your previous guest, Mr. Chase, wrote the word that fear is a choice. Well, one of the things that I determined is that fear itself is uh, like. Let, let's say that you are walking along the street and you decide you you know you want to cross the street and you step out into the street and you look to your left and there's a bus coming right at you. Now, the, you will instantly feel fear, and that is a very useful and <laughs> handy biological response. Your brain perceives an imminent threat and it sends a signal to your body, your body responds instantly. And how does it respond? Well, it pumps adrenaline into your system. It pumps cortisol into your system. Your heart rate goes up, your breathing rate goes up. And what it's doing is it's priming your body for action. And it's strengthening. I mean, we've all heard these stories of, you know, people achieving and, you know, people lifting cars off of uh, people who they'd run over, whatever you know, un- unbelievable feats. That's because your body primes itself to take action in that fearful situation. Now the thing about that, think about an oncoming bus, is you you feel fear, you instantly uh, prime yourself for fear, and then you take action and you jump back onto the sidewalk. The bus goes by, whoo, and the the crisis has passed, the emergency has passed, and the. Uh, adrenaline dissipates, the cortisol dissipates, your heart rate slows down, your breathing rate slows down, and you're back to normal because the emergency has passed. Now that is really useful and that is built into our biology from millions of years ago. But let's compare that to worry and anxiety because worry and anxiety are our responses, our mental and emotional responses to something that we perceive as a threat but something that is much more either vague or off in the distance. And the the thing that we're supposed to do about it or perhaps do about it is not really very clear. So if the bus is coming at you or if the tiger is jumping out of the bushes at you, we know exactly what to do and we need to do it right now. Uh, and But let's say you're thinking about, uh, well, you're... you're friend with the terminal disease that is a uh, a threat that is off in the distance and yes it could be uh measured perhaps in months or, or years um but or other people people worry about their finances in retirement people worry about oh you know will he still love me uh, when i'm <laughs> like the old song when i'm 64 will you still need me will you still need me uh, you know, we worry about those things that are off in the distance and what we're to do about it, uh, is unclear, but our body doesn't know that our body just responded, you know, the brain said, Oh, there's a threat. Our body said, okay, I'm in code red, but there's no action to be taken. And when you stay in that code red status for a long time, that's when you get these really awful um, uh, negative side of it that's when you get sick from it literally sick um, because we, we don't know what the action is that we can take you know um, fear is fear is like the fire department and and our our, uh, our bodily response is like the fire department meaning that it's really good that we know the fire department is there but the best days are the days when we don't need to phone them and the more days we can go without having to phone them, the better off we are. So, I, But I want to distinguish between this fear response to an imminent physical threat and our response in uh, you a know, worry and anxiety response to a threat or a perceived threat that is often the distance or more vague. And as you pointed out early in our conversation, more often than not, it's something that we've thought up in our heads and never actually happens. It's just something we're imagining. And yet we're still, our brain, our body says, Oh, a threat, you know, cause your body can't tell the difference between whether a threat is real or it's imagined. Your body responds the same way. It's very obedient, it's very obedient, but stupid. So would you <laughs> and, say,
0: uh, would you say that, um, what, or what would you say to the thought that, we have the inclination to be in terms of worry and that that perception of something that that can occur that is is negative that part of it is that we people who worry have the need to be preemptive so uh-huh.
1: Being pre- being preemptive is is fine, and that is actually one of the strategies that we use uh, a, a different, you know, replace the mental habit of worrying. That's perfectly fine as long as it is action oriented. As long as it remember we made the difference between problem solving and worry, and I would say that the people who tell me, you know, the worriers who say I'm being preemptive then what I would say is, okay, show me the progress you're making on solving this challenge or getting ready for this challenge. Because if you're ready for it, I mean, I live in South Florida, and I've lived on the southeast coast of the U.S. for five or six years now. And every summer, hurricane season comes. And every summer, you can feel the anxiety just ramp right up. And everybody, oh, oh, you know, they're glued to the Weather Channel, and oh, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, a low pressure system off the coast of Africa. Oh no! And now for the next two weeks, let's all be anxious. Uh, whereas if you were being proactive, or um, you know, in anticipation, you'd say, okay, yes, I live in a place where there's a chance of hurricane. Hurricanes are actually very easy to prepare for because you see them coming so far off. And there's some very specific instructions. You put together an emergency kit that's got batteries and flashlights and water and canned goods and stuff like that. And you put it in a safe place. You plan your evacuation route if they announce an evacuation. And you take all your furniture off the patio. (laughs) And then you're done. You've done everything that you possibly can. And at that point, worrying is absolutely useless. And it it serves no point whatsoever. So being preemptive is a really good thing when you take action to, as best as possible, uh, alleviate, mitigate, um, uh, you know, lessen this problem as much as possible.
0: But then you have, so you have the others now. I can think of another personality because, again, I was thinking this as you you spoke. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the, they say, well, I'm not going to worry because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And well, that is, I don't know if that's more that's callous kind of than it is, uh, <laughs> um, it is constructive. I,
1: I I agree with you. And I don't buy it, actually. I think it's just sort of, you know, it's like the bully's bluff, you know, you know, I'll kick you and whatever. It's, it's just trying, pretending to be strong when in fact inside you're, you're, quivering and terrified uh and it's just sort of putting on this big bluff uh because and you can tell the difference between people who enjoy genuine peace of mind and the people who just sort of you know puff out their chest and say oh, i can handle it And doesn't matter what happens it'll happen. Whatever's going to happen will happen i don't i i honestly don't buy it that they're not worrying about things they're just finding a different way to deal with it, and I would rather just simply eliminate it completely.
0: So, let's go further into your story and tell us. So, you went from okay. being in in this car, being homeless. You had a good job. Mm-hmm. You were you were um, spending more, you know, maybe spending more than you earned at some point. What mm-hmm. was next in the in the journey?
1: Well. The first part of this journey, and there's three steps, there's three steps in this process to stop worrying. And the first step that I went through was to learn everything I possibly could, as I said to you, about how my mind works and how worry and anxiety works. And the first thing I learned was that worry is a choice, just like your other guest said, fear is a choice. Worry is a choice. It's a mental choice that we make. As I said, we're we're not born worrying. We're taught to worry. The second thing I learned is that we are encouraged to worry, and the entire world around us conspires to make us anxious. So, you know, turn on the TV, uh, and there's 24-7 news going on, uh, and they're not talking about all the wonderful things that are happening in the world. They focus on all the awful things that are happening. And not only do they focus on them, they present them, in a very dramatic, hyped-up way that is designed to make you anxious. And so they'll say things, you know, I'll watch CNN, and they, you know their, their intro line is, here's what you need to know right now. And I think, oh, my gosh, what do I need to know right now? And my eyeballs are glued to the screen, and it turns out that what I need to know right now is that there's a typhoon on the other side of the planet. Now, why do I need to know that right now? Well, it's because the TV station needs to sell uh, advertisers. And the more eyeballs they can have glued to their screen or to their, uh, you know, to their news broadcast or, where, or online, the more advertising money they're going to get. And, and we, as humans, we respond to the dramatic. We do have something from a million years ago that's called a negativity bias. And negative things just get your attention more than positive things do. So the world around us is constantly conspiring to keep us worrying. And everybody that we look at worries. And so we assume that that's normal. We assume, well, therefore, it must be just a part of the human condition. But what I discovered is that normal, yes, worrying is in fact normal, meaning that most people do it. But normal does not equal uh, required. Normal does not equal necessary. It's normal to have underfunded schools. It's normal to have uh, racial profiling in police departments. But there's a whole lot of people, really good people that are working like heck to remove that from society because we all know we'd be better off without it. But we can't argue that it's not normal. And it's the same with worry and anxiety. Yeah, it's normal because most people do it. And so when I look around, I think, oh, well, I guess it's all right because everybody else is doing it. So I should do it. So that's what I learned. Now, the third thing that I learned was if I, you know, in, in a situation that is challenging, so in my case, I was living in my car, couldn't afford, you know, to live in a house. What, one of our natural tendencies is to blame somebody else, blame circumstances, blame others, blame something outside of ourselves. And if, you know, well, if my boss had been smarter, if my if the economy had been stronger, if, you know, whatever it is, it's anything but me. But as I said to you, I looked around and turns out that the only factor that was common to everything was me. And so. What I decided to do, and this is absolutely critical, is to take 100% responsibility for every single thing that is going on in my life. Because as soon as I blame someone else for my circumstances, then I have completely surrendered any power to do something about it. Because if it is my boss's fault, or if it is the economy's fault, then I then, until my boss or the economy decides to change their mind, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I'm completely powerless. You're at their mercy. But when I take, I'm at their mercy, exactly. Now, here we have a pandemic going on right now. Now, you know, I, I can't say, you know, I can point fingers and say, ah, it's uh, this person's fault. It's the Chinese fault. It's the government's fault for not responding properly. It's the Whatever. But all that does is remove my ability to deal with it. And so this is a circumstance that over which I don't have any control. Uh, And so but I have control over how I'm going to respond to it. And I can respond by being angry. I can respond by being frustrated. I can respond by being depressed or worried. Or I can respond by saying, Wow, this is a great opportunity for me to, you know, sit around in my shorts all day. Or it's a great opportunity for me to start that novel that I've always wanted to do. It's a great opportunity for me to uh, take some online courses and increase, you know, it's how I respond to the situation. And when I Choose, and again, it's always a choice. When I choose to take 100% responsibility for everything that goes on in my life, then I have the power to, to affect control over it, and I have the power, a power to affect my outcomes.
0: Now, there's and that something makes
1: all the different in the world.
0: Yeah, there's so there's something I want to touch on too before we, because um, I think we've given really good information, and I and I'm sure my audience will be. Um, riveted to this uh, episode, you you made a very important point and and also um, sort of uh, pushed my thoughts in that direction. So much of when we talk about worry and we talk about it in the context of millions of people worrying, mm-hmm. I have a few friends who refuse to watch the news, mm-hmm. and now you know as we have this conversation, I think about it, you know how much the media plays a, such a role in purposely encouraging worry because, like you said, oh, yeah. it's negativity that sells. People, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I think it was NBC Channel 4 uh, in New York. There was a, I can't remember what news section it was, but there was a news reporter. I don't remember his name. Very popular news reporter. And he made a point of interjecting a feel-good story into every, you know, all of his newscasts. Right. And the fact that you have to make an effort to interject a feel good story tells you Uh what's being broadcast, Mm -hmm. what people are hearing this, you know, things that purposely uh, perpetuate anxiety and worry and, you know, and, and I think you're right. You know, you hear about a hurricane or a storm and, you know, you know, you better not go out and you might lose power and, you know, the trees might come down your house and, and, and all these mm-hmm. things cause you almost preemptive worry. right The, the people oh, who really? are sharing this information have just as little control as you do. Mm-hmm. But yet, you yeah. know it, it's so designed to and, and you know, I, I'm sure many of my listeners will start really giving this some deep thought, because it is so designed to purposely create worry. Which, which I think oh, has has it, there's some algorithm there that that has an, uh, an equation that involves worry, fear, and yeah. ratings and attention.
1: Yep. Oh, absolutely, there is. We work hard at it, and uh, uh, the reason is is that we are attracted to this dramatic. We're attracted to the negative. And, and we, this negativity bias is the thing that makes us always think the worst possible outcome. So yeah, there's a winter storm and okay, wow, this is terrible. And the power could go out and we could be stranded here and on and on. And, but at the same time, we could, uh, go for a lovely walk in the beautiful snowfall. We could, uh, enjoy a cozy evening together we could you know there's all kinds of wonderful things at it but you know you're sitting at home alone and suddenly the phone rings and you weren't expecting a call <gasps> and we always jump oh oh what's wrong uh, somebody knocks at the door and you weren't expecting somebody oh oh what's wrong i bet it's you know is it the police coming to tell me my yeah, son's been Yeah we always in an think accident. the negative yeah, why couldn't it be the publisher's clearinghouse showing up with your million-dollar check? You know, there's just as much chance that that's what's happening as there is of the other, and uh, and yet we go to that, and this is where we've we've developed this mental habit of going to the negative, and we have to catch ourselves. As with any habit at all, we can replace that habit, but first we have to be aware that we have this, in fact, have this habit. We all have lots of habits. Some of them are very positive. I walk in from work at the end of the day. I drop my keys in the little bowl right by, the, you know, the table by the door. You don't even think about it. That's because, you know, you, you figured out where to put your keys one time, and after that you, you only had to solve that problem once, and now I just do it mindlessly, and I can always count that's where my keys are. But uh, negative habits are the same thing. Uh, I've started doing this, but it's not serving me, but, and yet I, it's below my level of consciousness. So I just keep doing it. The first thing we need to do is raise this up into a level of consciousness so that we're aware of our negative responses. We're aware of our worry habit. And then we can start to say, do I want to change this? Now, there are some people that love it, and some people that just love to wallow in their worry, and they, it gives them lots of attention and sympathy and all the rest of it. You know, God bless them. They're welcome to it. I don't want it. Uh, but you know, if you raise it to the level of awareness and saying, no, this is not serving me. No, this feels awful. I'd really like to stop this. It's not helping at all. And as you pointed out, it is making you sick. Good. Okay. Now we can move on and say let's let's learn how to stop.
0: Yeah, you maybe remember my my deceased grandfather, um, who always used to say he would never answer the phone in the middle of the night because there's nothing good that comes from someone ringing your phone in the middle of the night. Mm. So he mm-hmm. would never. Mm-hmm. if You called him. You would you called him at two three o'clock in the morning. He would never answer. He says whatever happened during the night is bad. You can tell me in the morning. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, see, and there's a now there's a perfect example of someone because uh, we talked about self-doubt, right? And this is a self-limiting belief. I have no, you know, it's impossible for me to believe that any phone call in the night would be about something positive. So therefore, that's it. Yeah. And that's no different than my belief that I grew up as, you know, if the, the only people who can possibly be rich are they're are there lucky or crooked? You know, that was my belief. I just, I just knew it in the depths of my soul. And, and until I decided, no, that's not serving me at all, because I don't want to, I know, you know, lucky, I, I don't want to leave it to chance. And I know I'm not crooked. But I, I see other people, so I would like to be wealthy. So I had to get rid of that limiting belief.
0: Yeah. So tell us, tell us you know, as we get to the end of this episode here, tell us about your book and uh, some information, where we can get it and all that good stuff.
1: Sure. Um, the book is called Unsubscribe from Anxiety. And the, the title is implied, you know, just, we all have these email, junk email that would show up and all, it just takes one click unsubscribe. I don't want that in my life anymore. Gone. Thanks. And it, you get to make that choice. Well, anxiety is the same thing. You can unsubscribe from anxiety if you care to, and they can find it anywhere books are sold. Uh, you can go on a Barnes and Noble and order it. You can go on Amazon and order it. And, um, but we also have, and what I want to share with your, your listeners, if they want to get more uh, active about this, I have a Facebook group that I run. It's an absolutely free Facebook group, and it's called the Fearless Living and Growth Society. And in the Facebook group, we, we share ideas, we share uh, motivation, we share encouragement. And these are all people who say, that's it. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm fed up. With worry and anxiety, and so if somebody wants to come and join the Facebook group, and again it's absolutely free, they're welcome to. And finally, I have a, uh, a company and a website, uh, and the company and the website is called I Fearless. So I and then a hyphen fearless.com. You can find the website, and we have. Uh, we have online courses that we do. We have uh, where you can find the Facebook group there. You can get my, uh, you can access my books from there. Um, so there's a number of different resources. And if somebody wants to reach out to me, I respond to every single person that inquires personally. I don't, you know, put it off to an assistant or anything like that. So if somebody wants to reach out to me and say, I'd really like to learn more about this, then I am. I will be happy to get on a call with them and talk to them and explain how this works. But I tell you from, uh, from 10 years ago, well, it's now 12 years ago living in my car. And I, I remember so clearly waking up this one morning. I said, that's it. You know, whatever I've been doing has not been working. So I am wide open to whatever some, somebody else's new ideas that are going to work better than whatever I've been doing. And, yeah. uh, let it go. And then all of a sudden the answers start coming. It's wonderful.
0: Yeah. I think that is, this is a great, this has been a great conversation. I think that it's one that could go on for a very long time because it brings so many mm-hmm. things to mind. And I think it's something that so many of us struggle with, you know, there are even people who oh, say yeah. they don't worry, but they do. And I think that for me personally, I don't know about every member of my audience, but for me personally, you know the pursuit of not worrying is something that I've been actively involved in recently, and something I continue to pursue you know as I said simply because it's wasted energy and because you stifle your creativity and you stifle your path to resolution by you know yeah. by by allowing worry to be a characteristic of 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 you know what's going on so um I really do want to thank you for taking the time. You know, it's late; it's it's past your bedtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but That's I know cool. I do, and I know my audience will certainly appreciate what you've shared with us. And um, that they, I hope that they go out and get your book. I hope that they join the Facebook group. I encourage them too. Um, I hope that they they reflect on their self reflection allows them to be honest with themselves to realize that there's probably more of us who worry than those that don't. And this is an opportunity to make our lives better. And it's, you know, the one thing I would leave them with is it's important because if you spend the day worrying, that's just a day lost. You don't ever get it back.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, no, you so
0: don't. in wrapping this up, I'm going to ask you to leave a quick message with my audience. You know, what would you, what, what would be your final thought?
1: Oh, thank you, Julie. My final thought is that you do not have to put up with that awful feeling of worry and the anxiety, and it is entirely possible to unsubscribe from it. And it's worth it because, oh man, when I compare what my life felt like before and what it feels like now, it's just, there's no comparison whatsoever. And so if you want to stop, it is, it is entirely possible. You do have the choice.
0: Thank you so much, David. We'll make that the final word. I thank you so much for being on the show, and I look forward to a continued conversation, maybe in another episode sometime.
1: Thank you, Julian. Really you're, enjoyed it.
0: You're quite welcome. I did too. I want to say a very, very special thank you to my guest, Mr. David Stone, for sharing his insight into anxiety, worry, and self-doubt. Hopefully, like myself, many of my audience members get something really great out of this conversation that makes a measurable difference in your lives. I want to remind you that you can listen to every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app. And I want to thank you for your continued support. Reminding you also that you can head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net where you can catch the episodes and some detailed information on our guests. If you'd like to be a guest in the show or if you'd like to send me a message, send me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, don't worry and take care of yourselves and each other.